To keep across all of the latest information and content from The Open, follow the Championship's social channels today. Just search for The Open's verified accounts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and LinkedIn and enjoy a range of features, news, videos, images and audio from golf's original major. You're listening to The Open Podcasts. But now comes the cheer for Tiger Woods. Taps it in and listen to the applause which rings out here on the 18th as Tiger Woods departs the scene, maybe for the last time, in an open at St Andrews. As a former king of St Andrews left the stage, the new pretenders to the old course crown waited in the wings. In she goes, up goes the volume. Rory McIlroy, Victor Hoffman, they're putting on one hell of a shot out here. Cameron Young and Cameron Smith are both now 14 under par. They are two shots back. Over one glorious weekend at the home of golf, four players captured the imagination of fans across the globe. Mastery of the greens. It's doing very well. It's gone in the hole. Oh, my goodness. Brilliance from the bunkers. Oh, it's an awesome shot from Rory. Will it do it? And a Sunday back nine charge for the ages. That is a roar that will be heard all the way back to the team. All soundtracked by the energetic roars and the pounding of thousands of feet running up golf's most famous of fairways. I've never seen anything like this in all of my life. There are people sprinting from every single angle. Determined to hail their new champion. In the hole! The quiet man from Australia has let his clubs roar at the 150th Open at St. Andrews. We left our story of the 150th Open as those atop the leaderboard set off on their second rounds. By the time Thursday's pace-setter Cameron Young had teed off on Friday, he'd already been replaced at the head of the standings by Dustin Johnson. DJ, for a final dirty, he's rammed that in, and he is our new solo leader as a result. Round of 67 for him today, and he set the notch now at nine under par. Once underway, the open debutante Young would slip further back with an error and a subsequent bogey on the second. Now difficult to get to the second. That never came out of that rough and he's gonna have a very spicy third one. On the fourth, Young's second shot would once again come up short of the green. That, that pitch, I kind of was in a tough spot. I knew that right of the green was doable. Um, and obviously it's not necessarily one you're trying to make, but no, I just hit a shot and it just did exactly what I thought. My goodness. That's an unlikely birdie after the second. So Cameron Young back to where he started the day with a touch of magic. To see that go in after, you know, making a messy bogey on two, making a, another mistake that I really was kicking myself for, one that I knew I couldn't make and I did anyway, it, it leveled the ship a little bit. Two groups ahead, another Cameron was about to make his mark. Now Cam Smith on first. He's gone the other way. And he's gone extra safe, which is understandable after the seeing result of his two playing partners. 
The day before, Cameron Smith had shown flashes of a putting game that ranked as one of the best in the world. As he made his way towards the first green on Friday, the Australian faced the prospect of a 47-foot downhill roll towards the Swilkin Burn. What was to follow that day would rank as one of the finest ever displays on the old course's mammoth greens. This is an outside, I'm sure you'll be happy just to two-putt from here. The ball is on its way, travelling back down toward the Swilkin Burn. It's got enough pace, it's got enough pace. Oh, it's got in the hole! Wow, thank you very much for coming. Cameron Smith makes a birdie on the first. Wow, there's a statement of intent from Cameron Smith. My game felt like exactly where it needed to be. I felt as though the golf course was set up in a way where I was able to play a very smart, kind of logical approach to it. Cam Smith was birdied first. He's got a really good look on second. Oh, man. Can this guy putt or what? It's lethal with that club in hand. His putting stroke is so grounded in technical perfection that he doesn't really worry and tinker with it too much. His coach Grant Field really only gives him kind of a little, you know, it's like almost like a mirror that, that he places on the ground uh, that, that allows him to, to see where his eyes are over the ball and where his stroke is. It's a very simple device and it's the only thing he really uses for maintenance on that putting stroke because he knows how good it is. A perfect drive, a wonderful second shot leaves him around about eight feet for his third consecutive birdie here on the third green. Yes, dead centre. Three out of three for Cameron Smith. Moves to eight under. So once he gets a hold of the speed of the greens at a tournament and he feels as though he's reading the putts quite well, it's off to the races for Cameron Smith. They say there are no pictures on the scorecard. A shame, as this was sheer artistry from the man from Brisbane. Oh dear, look at this. Don't flinch, because the club's going straight into the wall. What a shot. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Shot of the day right there. I was trying to figure out how he would be able to generate enough club head speed with that awkward stance to elevate that ball up and over the lip. Um, can, I, can I guess? Pure talent? <laughs> that, you, you can't teach that. His putting is probably perhaps the best, or at least in the conversation of, of the best players that St Andrews has ever seen in, in that category. What that does around a golf course like the old course is it frees you up all the way back to the tee. His game is all about getting to the green. And then once he does that, then he just gets to shine. And that's exactly what he did. Another birdie for Cam Smith, so he joins Cameron Young and Dustin Johnson in a share of the lead at the 150th Open. I would say it's among the best lag putting I've ever seen uh, covering golf and, and watching golf as a fan for that matter. You know, he, he made over 250 feet worth of putts. Just a, a few holes that stood out that day. He, he, he sank a 47-foot birdie putt on the first hole and then a 29-foot putt for birdie on the eighth. And then after he drove it, you know, nearly 400 yards, obviously, with a run out on the fairways at the 10th hole, he two-putted for birdie from 87 feet. Can he make another birdie? Sure can. And he extends his lead to two shots at the top. There's definitely some similarity to, to home, uh, especially down on the sand belt there. Kind of those firm and fast turf conditions, I think, were very, very similar. I love being creative 
and I feel as though when the turf is like that, I'm able to really show off my creative skills. There is a sense of challenge that comes from the sand belt that goes beyond execution because you have to plan all the way around. Putting from off the green, putting on crazy hard firm greens, putting on ridiculously fast greens. These are all things that you are tested on on the sand belt. The drive of 14, I think, is one of the most daunting ones on the on the golf course. You kind of have to hit over the out of bounds. Hit a nice drive down there, a beautiful three wood to, you know, 50, 60 feet. 303 to the hole, has he got enough to get it there? Oh, this is fantastic. Gets it up onto the proper level as well. This would take him to eight under for his round and 13 under for the championship. It's on its way. It's breaking from right to left. Is it going to have enough speed? It's doing very well. It's gone in the hole. Oh, my goodness. Eagle three for Cameron Smith takes him to minus 13 for the championship. I think that for me was when I felt as though it was game on. You know, it was probably 60, 70 feet uh, along a big slope, really just trying to two-putt it, but it, it ended up in the bottom of the hole. And, yeah, that, that really got the momentum going, got, got me feeling like I'm in this and, and I can definitely win it. Smith had set the 36-hole lead at 13 under par, a record low score in Open Championship history. And what's more, he was two shots clear of the battling young. As a golden sunset washed over the Eden estuary, two men had a fight on their hands just to stay within sight. He's settling over the ball now, and everybody is tensely anticipating this one. Sends it on its way. It looks like a very good speed. It's got a turn. It's got a turn. Drop. It drops in the left edge for Rory. And he waves away at the crowd. A superb birdie, too. Gets him to minus three for the day. Minus nine. Rory is on the charge. Particularly that Friday was where those big names started to separate themselves from the rest. The overwhelming crowd favourite was obviously Rory, especially now that Tiger was, was missing the cut. And, you know, they were really trying to will, will Rory into existence, you know, get that win over the line any way the fans could. And it was, it was really special to see that level of support for one golfer at a, at a major championship. When you start a tournament so well, I th it's always hard to back it up the next day with a, with a score similar so you know i was i was playing okay on friday but you know I, I wasn't really getting as much out of my round as i did on on thursday he's come out now rory sent it high up into the air not the shot that i thought it's on its way up to the green now oh and he's landed it on the top oh he's landed it on the top of the green and got it to stop it's an absolute piece of magician it's just that's just it's a magic trick you know to birdie the road hole is just a massive bonus you're just trying to get out of there with a four and move on to the onto the last yes he's believe it the timing of Rory McIlroy just finds a way time and time again the crowd are going absolutely wild what a bounce back what resilience Rory McIlroy gets it back to four under for the day double figures ten under for the championship that puts him in solo third and guaranteed to be in the late games tomorrow even as the firm fan favorite Rory McIlroy wasn't the only one raising the decibel levels on Friday night. Hard little driver on 15. Second round, I played really well, but I, I made a few too many mistakes that I would have liked, and I remember kind of leaking oil a little bit. 
when I found the left rough on 15 there and the pin was front right, it was almost impossible to get a ball to stop there. But at least I had the side slope to, to kind of help me shape a, a cut shot in there. It cut a little bit more than, than uh, I would have liked, but it ended up right at the pin and somehow managed to, to land pretty softly. Hello, hello. Incredible shot from Victor Hovland. Look at the smile on that young man's face. It's up three shots in two holes, Victor Hovland and he's catapulted to nine under. That was huge for momentum, and I was able to finish that round off well. That remarkable hole-out for Eagle catapulted Hovland into a tie for third with McElroy at the halfway mark of the championship, just one shot behind Cameron Young and three back from Smith. At the other end of the leaderboard, with the cut at one over par, Tiger Woods wouldn't be the only notable name to miss out on the weekend's play. 12 months after lifting the claret jug at Royal St. George's, Colin Morikawa, as well as 12 other former Open champions, bade farewell to St. Andrews on Friday evening. But their misfortune would be one local's gain. My name is Scott Harold, and I'm the senior golf instructor at St. Andrews Links Academy. I'm essentially a golf instructor that I teach professionals, I teach absolute beginners, people who are literally just coming to the town as visitors or tourists and they just want an experience of golf within St Andrews. With the prospect of playing in an open on his home links, Scott Herald had been amongst the 1,850 players who'd attempted to make the field through open qualifying. I actually played really, really well at qualifying. I missed out by a few shots. There was obviously that bit of disappointment of, of not playing, but I guess for myself, it, I always had it in the back of my mind that it, it was our home open and that I had, I had lots of work actually, ironically, to, to be doing. I got the phone call maybe not, not so long after the qualification, probably a week or so, to say, look, you know, would like if, if, you, if you would like, would you be the marker? So that very kind of quickly became, oh, wow, okay, I, can, I could actually play uh, on the Saturday, Sunday, but you never, I never really allowed myself to think that I was going to play. I never actually told anyone apart from my wife and my mum and, my and dad. So on Friday, it became about maybe five o'clock, six o'clock. My wife was kind of finishing her work at that point and we, we had a bit of dinner just in the tented village. And then it kind of turned to, right, okay, where's the, where's the cut line sitting? And, and, and it kept fluctuating from a, an even number to an odd. I took myself away at that point. I just went to the, the academy I, and took myself into my office and just waited about. It was about 10 o'clock at night, got the phone call. Here it is, cut's been done and you're in, you're playing it. I think it was 8.30 the next morning, but I needed to get my accreditation. I needed to get, you know, into the lounge. I needed to get people, you know, my caddy. He was waiting on tenterhooks to, you know, to know if we were going to play. So I had to get him out of the pub, essentially. Harold, with the help of his caddy, would be the unofficial 84th player in the field on Saturday and would have the honour of opening the day's play. On the tee from St Andrews Links, playing as marker, Scott Harold. An honour I'm not sure he knew was coming his way this week. No, definitely not. But they'll certainly love it up here, that's for sure. It was a, you know, a pretty special moment in my career getting announced on the tee. At that point, ironically, I wasn't that nervous. I've hit that tee shot so many times. 
and in blunt honesty if there's a tee shot you want to hit for your first at a major it's absolutely that one I, I made contact which was great wasn't a particularly great shot but it went down the fairway somewhere it probably wasn't until i got to my second shot that you know the nerves really kicked in and i started to you know feel feel a bit shaky <laughs> big exhale there from scott Harold. the walk on the saturday from the 13th tee all the way to the the 18th green will live with me for the rest of my life it was tremendous all of a sudden from the 13th onwards everyone was like shouting my name and so on you just take this massive buzz off of the crowd and then i managed to birdie 18 in front of the grandstands look at that scott hill That'll live with me forever. Something I can tell my, my child and my, my grandkids. An assured birdie on 18 capped a special morning in the most special of places for a local hero. And while Scott Herald's Saturday round at the 150th Open will never be found in any official records, the exploits of the 2019 champion at Royal Port Rush certainly will. Shane Lowry linked it left at the ninth, but chipping from a way, way back. Ball heading towards the green, rolling towards the flag. Thank you. Shane Lowry with an eagle at the ninth. Magnificent. No way, he's done it again. I can't believe it. Chipped in two holes in a row. Shane Lowry, eagles nine, eagles ten. For the first time in championship history, a player had made back-to-back -back eagle twos. What is more, Shane Lowry had whipped the crowd into a frenzy ahead of the day's headline act. On the tee from Northern Ireland, Rory McIlroy. On Saturday, I was following Rory McIlroy and Victor Halbert. And what an incredible scene it was. Right from the onset of the weekend, it looked as if this was going to be McElroy's tournament to win. That was a special day. I think I'll remember that third round for, for a long time because the, the fans were heavily on, on Rory's side although they were, they were still rooting for me. So Victor did something that we generally don't see Victor do. I've walked with him an awful lot in his young career. Then he hits brilliant shots. He misses putts from 15 feet, and every now and then he makes one. Yeah, it was one of those rounds where you just kind of stand over the ball on the green, and you just feel like you're going to make every putt. I didn't hit a very good wedge on three but it was able to make like a 40-footer there. This is for birdie at the third, tracking to the hole, upslope, and in! Hovland gets it to 11 under par. And then on the next, I, I had about a 45-footer again, and uh, it was it was kind of a tough putt with a, with a huge break right to left at the end. He's got a chance. Oh, it's in! Back to back all of a sudden, Victor Hovland is tied for the lead at 12 under alongside Smith. He made some long putts, he got some early momentum, 
it was just another one of the great storylines from that week. When I had an opportunity, I seized it. And when I was slightly out of position, I was able to make a, a nice five-footer for par or make a nice scramble for a par or something like that to, to keep the momentum going. One last look down the line. This is down the slope slightly and moving to his left. Putt is on its way. Drops! Oh, my! Victor Hovland, four consecutive birdies. He's four under on the day and 14 under for the 150th Open. With four straight birdies between three and six, Norway's Hovland was hitting top gear, as was the crowd favorite. He was playing the part. He was, he was loose, he was energetic, and the crowd was as behind him as they would have been if this was a Ryder Cup. I mean, they were, they were boisterous. He, he was acknowledging them and he did, he did the things that he needed to do. He hits the shot into six. He's got it in there about 10 feet. Now his putting had looked suspicious all week and he made that putt and it seemed like that putt at six propelled the rest of the round. Settles over it now, pulls the trigger, boom, and yes. Inchi goes, up goes the volume. Rory McBroom, Victor Hoffman, they're putting on a one hell of a show out here. Rory gets it to minus two for the day and minus 12 for the championship. While McElroy and Hovland were making their moves, the final pair on the course were treading water. Of the two Camerons, it was the Australian, Smith, who'd had the tougher start. On that Saturday, you know, I just really wanted to go out there and, and really do much of the same. It turned out it was one of the most frustrating days of golf, I think, I ever had played in my life. Three feet for his paw at the first. Oh, and he's missed it. He has missed it. Obviously, Cam was having a little bit of a rough day. He wasn't making anything, uh, wasn't quite going his way. And to hear kind of the energy in the group, you know, in front of us versus our group, you know, definitely is draining. Just needs to be careful. Gave that one a good hit, but it's edging up that left-hand side. Hang in there. Oh, no. I think the wind switched on us, if I remember right. I think it was kind of going the opposite way, which makes the back nine very difficult. And some of the holes on the front, it just, it makes the play so different. Despite birdies for both cams at the ninth, the names of Hovland and McElroy topped the distinctive yellow leaderboards at 15 under par. Brimming with confidence, McElroy pulled out his driver as he looked down the 10th hole. McElroy, 360 yards. I think he can get it there and so does he. Oh no, he's gone right. On into a little bunker, I think it has. I think I got a little lucky with the tee shot because it was a good tee shot, but you know, once it's heading towards that bunker, you know, where my ball finished in the bunker was fine. Middle of the bunker, relatively straightforward bunker shot, but you know, that ball travels an extra two or three yards and you're you know up against the face and you know, there's no way I'm even getting that ball on the green. So you know, once you hit it in the bunkers in St Andrews, you're sort of it's out of your control. I walked over and got a look at the lie, and actually, in my call, I said the ball was sitting down a little bit. It, it just wasn't resting on top of the sand, and I thought that could be problematic. If the golf course had been softer, it would have been more difficult, but because the golf course was so firm, I could land that bunker shot sort of on the upslope and know that it was going to release out to the hole, so I felt like I had quite a lot of margin for error so I could be really aggressive with it, and it just came out perfectly. 
He's just about ready to go, takes his swing, swooshes it out, it comes out high, it looks like it needs a soft bounce. Oh, it's an awesome shot from Rory! Will he do it? Oh! Rory McIlroy! Can you believe the scenes? People are jumping up and down! It's an unbelievable bunker shot! Rory fist bumps to the crowd! Oh, I cannot believe what we've just seen, Matty! What a shot! Rory McIlroy just leapfrogs everybody! Minus five for the day, minus 15 for the tournament. We've got a new leader at the Open Championship, ladies and gents. It was one of those moments. It was, it was like standing next to a jet engine as it's taking off. You can't hear yourself think, and you're swept up in the moment, and it lasted because it was the moment of the tournament on so many levels and we all knew from that point on the next 27 holes are a coronation for Rory McIlroy there wasn't any question until there was a question to make eagle there like that was a huge bonus and that again like you know tournaments are all about momentum getting these little like bursts and that would that give me a little burst to you know to play the back nine on Saturday the way I did it was such a hard bunker shot to even just get it close, you know, within three feet or ten feet even. When he made it, uh, I knew I still, I did not not have a, an easy birdie. Victor Hovland for birdie just to stay in touch with Rory McIlroy. He's now one shot behind, putt is on its way from ten feet, and it drops. Wow, this is becoming a heavyweight bout. Punch, counter punch. We are tied atop the leaderboard at 15 under par. He, he recognized it as a bit of a mono e mono battle that day, Victor. It was really important for him that he hold that birdie putt straight after that, that hole out eagle from Rory. Hold on there. You know, I've, I've always been about just sticking to what I can do, but uh, when you have cheers and rules like that, um, obviously the hometown favourite Rory playing some really good golf, it was, you almost feel like you, you needed to catch up. When you start forcing things like that, I think it can uh, certainly lead to, you know, some more disappointment. Oh, heavens. Oh, it hasn't finished yet. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely no stars whatsoever. The Devil on 13 is something that I wish I could, I wish I could play that hole again. You know, I pulled my tee shot just a fraction, got a bit of a bad lie there. I mean, this could be a moment of madness or genius here. It, it really is an awkward shot. He's only 138 yards to go, but I mean, that is nearly waist high the way he's trying to swing at this. And the club will wrap over and it'll go left. Tried to almost go for the hero shot. Absolute madness. He's hit it fat and it's gone forward. Can't quite see from here where it's finished, but there's a load more gorse bushes over there. And really, that wasn't Cam Smith's finest moment. Yeah, I, I wish I had chipped that one out and just taken my five and, and, and kind of moved on. But I just felt like I, all my momentum had, had shifted to the group ahead. And um, from there on out, it was just kind of... A, a chase. Oh, another risk for Cam Smith. This is buried in the heather off of such an upslope. This is almost as risky. Yeah, he's hit it about 40 yards in front of him in the hay. Oh. It just didn't see it. It was never getting any distance on that. As Smith scrambled to rescue a double bogey at the 13th, 
Young himself was finding his own problems in the rough on his way to a bogey. While both would recover a shot at the next, there was no question who had stolen the limelight that day. For the next few seconds, perhaps, Victor Hovland is your leader at 16 under. Cap has come off of Victor Hovland, held in his hand. Rory McIlroy steps up to his inside of two feet. This is to go to 16 under. In. Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland are tied through three rounds of the 150th Open at St. Andrews on the mark of 16 under par. The two disconsolate Camerons behind would have to settle for pars at the 18th. Tied for second at 12 under, they faced the daunting prospect of closing a four-shot deficit to both Hovland and McElroy on Sunday. I definitely felt like I'd completely shot myself out of the tournament. Rory and Victor playing well are gonna be hard to catch with a four-shot lead. You know, I don't really know what you're supposed to do. It didn't really seem possible to pass those guys. I really wasn't sure what it was going to dish up at me. I felt as though my game was in a really good spot and I felt as though I could make a really good run at it, but, you know, four shots behind may have been a little bit too much, especially with the way that, with the two guys ahead of me were playing. It's probably the worst, he'll, he'll tell you himself, it was the worst putting performance he's probably had in his career for 18 holes. He just couldn't hold anything. As I was walking out of the media centre on, on late on the Saturday night. I walked past the, the practice putting green there beside the first tee and I saw Cam, Pinner and his coach Grant uh, sort of going through some practice putting drills and I just I just knew that he was working to sort of right the wrongs. He was trying to correct the ship and as long as he found something that gave him confidence for the following round, that was all that he was going to need. It, it's something that will always stick in my mind is the sun fading at St Andrews and Cameron working on his putting after a really uncharacteristic performance on the greens. I just wanted to see some putts go in. I feel like I was hitting good putts all day, just nothing was kind of going my way. And yeah, just wanted to see some putts go in the hole uh, before I went to sleep that night and made the rest, I guess, a little bit easier. As twilight crept up on Smith's putting practice, the chatter in the pubs and hotels around St Andrews centred on an expected battle for the ages and the claret jug between Hovland and McElroy. I think there were a couple of things we, we couldn't possibly ever count on at St Andrews, and that is that we had an absolutely perfect day, weather-wise. Uh, I think the Scots hate it when it's that calm. And so it gave the opportunity for somebody to, to come from behind by playing an incredible round. Hi, I'm Jordan Spieth. You're listening to The Open Podcast. The One Club, in partnership with MasterCard, is the best way to get closer to golf's original championship. Enjoy enhanced chances of securing future championship tickets. Sign up for free today at theopen.com. With the final pair not due to tee off until 10 to 3 in the afternoon, Anticipation was building throughout Sunday morning. Scott Herald, after once again fulfilling his duties as marker, chose to soak up the atmosphere with a peek behind the curtain. When I came off the golf course on the Sunday to, to just kind of chill a little bit in the players' lounge, that was an amazing experience. Obviously, all the leaders were going out. You had your McElroy's, your Cam Smith's, your Dustin Johnson's and so on, who were, who were all there when I got in 
they were kind of getting themselves prepared, they were in the locker rooms, they were in the gym or they were having some food. There was a really friendly atmosphere, but you could tell that they were here to do business. As the leaders finalised their preparations, the weekend's four-way battle for the low amateur silver medal drew to a close. European amateur champion Filippo Celli emerged victorious, and the Italian made no secret of who he wished to stand alongside in that evening's presentation. I can ask for a better thing to win the silver medal at the 150 Open in St Andrews. And hopefully, to be honest, I hope that uh, Rory McIlroy, he, he can win the Claret Jack because he's my favourite player. After his stress-relieving practice putting session the night before, Cameron Smith returned to the old course on Sunday with a renewed outlook on his chances of stopping McIlroy. I knew the tournament was still one that I could win for sure, but it was definitely going to take something special and I still felt hopeful that I could, you know, at least have a good crack at it on Sunday. As before on Saturday, Smith would once again be paired with Cameron Young. While the Australian seemed to have put his third-round frustrations behind him, the American would be served an instant reminder of his own Saturday struggles. Cameron Young lagged it down to here. I say lagged it, but that's uh, a yard or so on it. Well, it is the kind of pot that you don't want to leave yourself on the first screen. That was very tentative, that. And that's all nerves. A nervy three-putt bogey on the first meant Young was now five shots behind the two leaders before they'd even played their second shots. This is game number 42. On the tee from Northern Ireland, Rory McIlroy. Rory looked focused in the way that uh, that we've seen Tiger. He, he was not chatty. He was, you know, we've seen him looser. It's the Open Championship. It's at St Andrews, and he's supposed to win the golf tournament. On the tee from Norway, Victor Hovland. Victor, to me, always looks like a boy playing a game. You know, it never looks like the moment's too big for him. He doesn't always pull it off, but he. He does seem to be enjoying himself. With the late tea times, you get a lot of time to, to think about it. I, I kind of woke up early in the morning and you're just kind of sitting around watching the coverage or, or trying to watch a movie or, or just trying to keep your mind occupied. And that was kind of the toughest part. But when I got to the course and we started playing, I really felt comfortable. I think what made the day a little more comfortable was that I played with Victor and I played with Victor on Saturday as well so it was nice to the guy you're playing with is familiar it's sort of it was a nice pairing for me I, I like that but yeah I mean it's the Sunday of the Open Championship at St Andrews you know, trying to do something that is very coveted in, in our game. As Hovland and McElroy attempted to settle in it quickly became apparent that momentum was already building from the pair in front of them. Cam Smith now. See if he converts that birdie on two. And he does. First birdie of the day, Cam Smith. It was almost the opposite of the Saturday. You know, that the, the, the energy in the group on the Saturday was really lacking between the two Camerons. But on the Sunday, they were feeding off each other. They were complimenting each other on their good shots. Well navigated by 
the open debutant Cameron Young, first birdie of the day, makes up for the drop shot at the first, so he's back where he started the day at 12 under. And then four, four, I made a really nice putt. In it goes, in it goes. Young back-to-back -back birdies takes him to 13 under. They were, you know, saying good putt and giving the thumbs up when one of them lagged it close. It was a really positive energy in the group. There was almost this kind of us against the world mentality within the two Camerons, and it was really special to watch. Behind them, a bogey for the Norwegian Hovland at the fourth meant he now sat just one shot ahead of the Camerons. At the next, outright leader McElroy would have a glimpse at Eagle. Yeah, settling over to this 20-odd feet for left for Eagles. Downhill, right to left, it gets to the top of the hill. Here it comes, down the slope, takes the break. It's on its way, it's got a chance. Oh, his knees bent, huge groan from the, the grandstand that's over on the other hole on the 13th. The easiest of birdies for Rory McIlroy, and that will get his first birdie of the day, and he gets it to minus 17. That was the moment where Rory was supposed to take control of the golf tournament, and it just didn't happen. With another birdie putt, we're on the sixth, remember? Two-shot lead at the moment over his playing partner. Here it goes, here it goes. He likes it. Oh! Bends at the waist as it just, just runs out of steam. I don't think I did anything massively different on Sunday compared to the previous three days. I just didn't take advantage of the opportunities that I give myself. You know, I, I, you know, I, I go back to there was like four up and downs during the rounds that I didn't get on those birdie holes. And if I had of, it would have been a completely different story. Alongside McElroy, playing partner Hovland was struggling to produce any birdie chances whatsoever. While Cameron Smith in front would miss a golden opportunity himself. The ninth hole for me was one that was a little bit difficult. I, I hit a good drive down the right-hand side, hit a really nice pitch shot to kind of eight feet. Yeah, that's more to Cam Smith. We know all we have seen the first two days. Hit a nice putt and it missed. You know, that's when I think I got all those thoughts in my head going, uh, I've left it. It's, it's too late now. Through the front nine, McElroy had held a two-shot lead over Hovland, with Smith and Young three adrift as they turned for home. The golf course itself, the old course, is amazing in the way that it lends itself to the narrative of a story of a tournament. The way that the golf course slowly creeps away from the town and then you find this loop of holes at the end from seven onwards and then you make the turn back towards St Andrews. It's a crescendo that I don't think is actually built on any other golf course anywhere. Cam Smith. With McElroy not birding nine, can he edge closer? He sure can. That's a great up and down for birdie at 10. After both Camerons birdied the 10th, McElroy replied with one of his own. But what followed next would prove to be the decisive move in this most fascinating of championships. At that point, I decided, you know, do I go back in to the media centre and start working, or do I throw my hat in the ring for witnessing one of the greatest rounds in, in, in Australian golf history at the majors. People have asked me before, you know, when did you think he was going to win the Open Championship realistically? And for me, it's, this sounds ridiculous, but it's on the 11th hole, the very next hole. Beautiful shot from Cam Smith. This is a good time to start turning it on. Great tee shot, par three, up to the right, the correct shelf where the pin was. As he was approaching the green, I was sort of standing 
beneath the TV tower and I saw him line up the part. 15 feet or so. In the middle of the green, putting toward the right edge where the hole is. Away it goes, away it goes. Go on, go on. Yes! Here it goes. Cameron Smith goes to 16 under par for the championship. Just one behind. I saw the look in his eye. I saw the look, the same look that he had at the Players' Championship where he was just in the zone. You're like, okay, nice birdies. 12, he makes another putt. Finds another one. Three birdies to start the back nine for Australia's Cam Smith. And then I guess 13 really is the one. He's got six iron from 184, only 140 the front, so he needs to hit this low, try and chase it up there, pin on the right. The second shot into 13 was probably my favourite shot of the tournament. You know, I, I wanted to hit this massive high cutting six iron and I felt as though I needed to birdie the hole. I needed to keep pressing and yeah, just come out perfect. Setting up left, trying to fade it in there. Fantastic shot from Smith. He's got momentum on his side right now. I love the way he looks down the line long and brings his head back and fires. Putt is on its way and drops! Cameron Smith goes to 18 under par and that is a roar that will be heard all the way back to the team. This guy's going and taking this golf tournament. Is he really going to pull this off? And I guess 30 on the back nine is, is pulling it off. 14, another really strong driving hole out there. I needed to put the ball in the fairway and was able to do that. Uh, hit a nice shot just through the back of the green, kind of the perfect spot to miss it. And then hit a really nice putt up into tap-in length and was able to keep the birdie streak alive. He started this inward nine with five straight birdies. And now McElroy is chasing all of a sudden. While Smith's streak below par would come to an end at the next, he had categorically turned the championship on its head. By the 16th, a toiling Victor Hovland had slipped to 14 under and out of contention. Rory McIlroy's control of the 150th Open had been wrestled away. Cameron Smith now led the Northern Irishman by a single shot. It was Rory needing uh, a miracle and his miracle never happened at all on Sunday. I felt like Cam Smith had a, had a couple, not the least of which happened back at 17 with perhaps the, the best two putt up and down in Open Championship history. Roadhole, 17. Homer Golf is the leader with the driver. You know, first and foremost, to get that drive away, um, put it in the fairway. You know, that was the first tick for me. That second shot, I, I, I didn't feel comfortable with that second shot all week. For some reason, I just couldn't see my ball on the green there. Not a time to get aggressive, is it? It's on its way. Reaches the top of its flight and starts to descend. Oh. Well, that has gone left. We're on the roadside, so I can only think that that's down by the bunker. Probably the worst shot of the day um, into that green and uh, was left with a kind of a putt around one of the most treacherous bunkers, I think, in, in world golf. He has no option. He can't chip it because it's just not going to stay on the 17th green there, which almost faces perpendicular to the fairway. So, so, so a, chip, a chip or a pitch shot's not going to hold. He has to putt it. Inside 20 foot was, was my goal. I'd been seeing the ball go in. I'd been putting so well that day. 
Um, I knew if I could get it somewhere on the putting surface, it'd, it'd have a really good chance of going in. It didn't use the same club that a lot of the ancient Scotsmen would have, but boy, it was the result that they had to have dreamed of, keeping the ball on the ground and then making the putt to par. To me, that's what won the golf tournament. Cam Smith for par then to maintain his one-shot lead. Oh my goodness. What a pass save that is at 17 for Smith. After his miraculous save at the 17th, Smith took the short walk to the 18th tee, still holding that precious one-shot lead over McElroy. As the Australian's ball rolled to the base of the 18th green, Cameron Young, still only two shots back, stepped up for his drive. The drama was certainly not over yet. I was already, I think, frustrated. I knew sitting there that I had to give it a whack and, you know, essentially try to make it because you got to assume Cameron's going to make birdie. Cameron Young can certainly reach the green. He gets the signal as though it's straight. He bends down, picks a tee peg up. This should definitely make the green. Go on, run through the Valley of Sin, all the way. Go on, keep going, listen to the crowd. That tells you the ball has found the home green here at St Andrews. Game on, coming up 18. <laughs> can this get any better? Back to Warren Matthew. That's where we are on the 17th, a hole behind, and Rory McIlroy sends his second shot high into the air. It's all over the pin, how's the length? It's 161, and it's a wonderful shot! The roars go up! Oh, it's an amazing shot from Rory! The timing again, we've waited all day. Rory McIlroy has just knocked it in there to 15, 20 feet, it's as good as it gets. I was in the right rough on 18, uh, watching Cam, and I was sort of paying attention through my ears about what was happening on 17, and that roar was deafening. I remember trying to take a sip of my water coming down the fairway and I, and I really struggled to like hold it down. I, I think I was, so, I was so amped up and so nervous at the same time, I'd, I'd never felt anything like that. Now then, this huge crowd goes absolutely quiet. Rory McIlroy for birdie. Here it goes, here it goes, here it goes, here it goes. Oh, oh. I don't have to tell you, the, the groans will tell you. With that, McElroy had missed his brilliantly engineered opportunity to draw level with Smith at the infamous road hole. Up ahead, the Australian faced his own putt from off the green at the last. He has to ride this putt up over the big slope in front and then move it to the left to the hole. Putt is on its way over the slope it goes, moving to the left. This one's on a good line and settling some two feet from the cup for birdie for Cameron Smith. After an already masterful putting display, few would have bet against Smith holding out from that kind of distance. But Cameron Young, on the green after his mighty drive, ensured it was to be a must-make. Steadies himself away, on it goes. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Yes! Yes, Cameron Young! Eagle two on the 18th, moves to 19 and the par. You know, I gave myself a chance and I, I did what I could. And to make that putt, you know, for two on the last at St. Andrews was very cool. But you know, I witnessed an unbelievable round of golf. It's not every day you shoot 65 um, in the final round of a major in the second to last group and lose. And uh, I did. In the hole. 
to 20 under par, Cameron Smith goes. If it is enough, then his eight under 64 will be the lowest final round of a champion here in the Open. The quiet man from Australia has let his clubs roar at the 150th Open at St. Andrews. So there's, there's absolute bedlam in the scenes behind the 18th, and he sort of walks past through them, you know, almost through like an arch of support, pats on the back, and he goes into the scoring area, and his manager, Bud Martin, wanted to give him a hug, and Cameron, you know, recognised that all scenarios were still on the table, and he said to his manager, you, you can't hug me. As Smith signed for the clubhouse lead at 20 under par, Rory McIlroy could now only force a playoff, and he needed an eagle two at the last to do it. This Open had already delivered just about everything, so no one was ruling that out. Absolutely rips into this one. He does not leave an inch of this behind. I'm anticipating it landing now. It's right on line, it's running towards the flag. Will it get there? Go, baby, go! It's just gonna fall its way down into the Valley of Sin. We saw a putt from there in 1995 from Costantina Rocca. It's exactly the same putt, would you believe it, to keep Rory McIlroy in the game. When I look back on the week as a whole, the thing I will remember the most is walking through the crowds and watching the way that they reacted to both Cam and and Rory in those final moments and just hearing how much noise there was. That was probably one of the most eye-opening things for me is what you have to endure walking around under pressure in terms of the noise of, of crowds like that, of people who feel invested in your story and genuinely want you to perform and, and, and take the title. I've never seen anything like this in all of my life. There are people sprinting from every single angle all the way up the first fairway and the 18th fairway as well. The noise is deafening. And there, you almost can't see the fairway anymore. It's just a sea of people. I was far enough up toward the green knowing that it was gonna happen. I even had a producer warning me, you need to get up to the green because they're gonna open the gates and, and let everybody onto the fairway. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And everybody could see. And they, they understand what was happening. They understood what was happening. It was, it was quite a moment. And here we go. Must make for McElroy. It's a difficult chip. And I mean, I thought, you know, it was either hole it or nothing, really. You know, I wasn't really trying to go for the T2. Sends it on its way. It's good. It's good. Oh! Well, it takes a little hop. Just to the left. He was very positive about it. There was no doubt about that. But the plain fact is now that Rory McIlroy cannot win this Open. Cameron Smith of Australia is the winner of the 150th Open at St Andrews. Rory has just missed the eagle and he knew that, okay, now I've actually won the Open Championship. So there's a funny scene where I remember he comes out of the scoring area and he says to his manager, Bud, <laughs> As the realisation sang in for the newest Open champion and his team, Michael Roy's all-or-nothing approach meant he'd need to tidy up for a par. From leading the Open at the start of the day, 
the Northern Irishman would have to settle for third. I think for a lot of people, when they look back on the 150th Open, it will be remembered, A, because someone won it, but it will also be equally remembered for the story of Rory McIlroy and the heartbreak and the fact that, in a way, a lot of people thought that that was the ending that should have been written, and I'm sure that he is one of them. But it was very much so equal parts of both sides of that story. I didn't walk away from St Andrews feeling like I'd lost the tournament. Cam went out there and won the, won the golf tournament and played an incredible round of golf, um, sort of once in a lifetime sort of thing. So, um, you know, I could leave St Andrews with my head held high knowing that, you know, yes, I missed some opportunities on that Sunday, but I didn't, I didn't lose that golf tournament. And, and I think that's, that was the overriding feeling, you know, when I departed St Andrews that Sunday night. Cam Smith is a deserving champion, as, as we mentioned. He shot 30 on the back nine to win a major championship. That's, that, those are numbers that boggle the mind. But for for Rory, uh, he, needs a, he needs another chance and he needs it quickly. McElroy's playing partner, Victor Hovland, had learned hard but valuable lessons about the withering intensity of being a contender on the final day of an Open Championship. But a tied fourth-place finish alongside Tommy Fleetwood represented an important step for the talented Norwegian. For me personally, that was the, the first time I've been in contention at a major championship. So that was, that was kind of big for me just to kind of get over that lump. It was, it was nice to kind of to be in that and, and feel, that, feel that pressure. So yeah, kind of makes me think that it, it, it won't be long until I'm there the next time. With his sensational finish for second, Cameron Young, the hard-hitting rookie from New York State had announced his arrival on the major stage in his first Open Championship. You know, as far as things I've done, that's probably the best one. And uh, I don't mean to take anything away from finishing second. I know that's that's a, a very good thing to do. It's, it's a big accomplishment. But I think it's just the way that I and a lot of us are wired is that, you know, finishing second is, uh, isn't winning. You know, I can take a lot of good things away from it, but you're not walking around with the Claret Jug, so... For two days, Cameron Young had walked the fairways of the old course alongside a man in the throes of a career-defining week. Cameron Smith had become only the fifth Australian ever to claim the Claret Jug. He'd set the lowest halfway score in any of the 30 Opens ever played on the old course and completed the job with a 20-under-par total that matched Henrik Stenson's Open Championship record set at Troon. Smith had shown that, behind the quiet demeanour, his distinctive and much-discussed mullet, he possessed the vision, the invention, the nerve and the heart of a champion. And with a score of 268, the winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer of the year is Cameron Smith. Cam is um, very humble beginnings, you know, like not a country club kid whatsoever. He, he comes from a working class background. His father, Des, his mum, Sharon, really raise him on, on good Queensland values. And, and what I mean by Queensland values is it's a real kind of team state. You know, it's like a, it's a one for all kind of mentality. Jeez, uh, what, what a week. Uh, I'm going to fall apart here, I know. Uh, 
Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank the team back there, all their hard work, all the hard work we've done uh, the last couple of years um, has really started to pay off and this one definitely makes it worth it. There was no one else he could be except for his own authentic self anyway. The permission that that gives to kids around the world, especially kids back home with their mullets in Australia as well, that don't fit the traditional golfing build or the, the country club build or the private golf courses, the kids that have grown up on public golf tracks and where the greens aren't perfect every time. But the permission that his win gave those kids was something that was really cool. You know, the next call was, was of course, going to be to, to his father, Des, back in Brisbane himself. He was emotional. He was tired. You know, he, he had stayed up all night to watch that. It was about five in the morning Australian time by the time I called Des. And I remember saying to him, you know, are you going to go to one team at Country Club later today and celebrate with the members and where it all began? And he said, yep. And I said, oh, when do you crack the first 4X goal? And that's, that's their favourite beer in Queensland. And he said, oh, I'm not much of a morning drinker, but I could see myself cracking one maybe before lunchtime. As the dawn celebrations began in earnest for Smith's family down under, it wouldn't be long until the party was underway at the home of golf too. A few hours later, I'm working away and I get a text from his manager just saying, you know, uh, the after party is going to be in the old course hotel where the players were staying that week. I'll never forget walking across the 18th hole as the sun was, you know, it was basically dark by that stage, but that, that kind of Scottish sun glowing in the background of the ocean up the elevator and into the players' lounge, and it was just really cool, but not as not as massive as you'd think, you know. It wasn't like a raging nightclub. It was just a bunch of golfers and their families drinking and celebrating and lots of people asking Cam for a, for a photo with the Claret Jug. Yeah, we've had a pretty good time with it so far. Yeah, we've uh, put all types of stuff in there. People often forget that the Champion Golfer of the Year gets the gold medal. You know, Cam was particularly proud, like he was beaming. That that gold medal was, was right on his chest, on his T-shirt, and he was sort of grinning from ear to ear with this, with this medal on his chest. That will be the biggest tournament I'll ever be a part of. Yeah, to come away with the win, I think for, for us growing up in Australia, it, it's probably the top of the tree of, of ones we want to knock off. Uh, the history, the jug, the names on the jug that have won it before you. Yeah, it's, it's unreal and uh, something definitely I'll, I'll never, ever forget. At the 150th Open Championship, everything had led to Cameron Smith's remarkable final day performance. It had begun with a celebration of champions and ended with a display worthy of those greats of the game. Ask anyone who was lucky enough to be in St Andrews that week and they'll likely tell you a similar story. This had been a week like no other, in a place like no other. Quite often I look out and it's amazing, you know, even though some of these days where the weather is really poor and you see these people out battling the elements and you can tell they're having the time of their life just being there and being in the environment. The grandstands come down, the people leave, but the place still retains the, the magic. There's no place like San Andrews. There's no place that focuses on 
the game of golf with the intensity and the joy that you get at St. Andrews. It's the topic of conversation from the moment you step into the first pub and have the first pint until you hop into the car to get the ride back to the airport in Edinburgh. It's a pilgrimage to get there and it never lets you down. You have to get to St. Andrews. You know, it's the home of golf. It's the home of the open. The atmosphere around there, the kind of, the stuff you feel around there is, is unlike any other place. It's, it's just so special. It's, it's hard to put into words what it means as, as a golfer, but it's, it's the coolest place on the planet. The story of the 150th Open was narrated by me, Hazel Irvin. It was written, produced and edited by Alistair Cresswell. The executive producers were Chris Lewis, Paul Sutcliffe and Steve Tebb. This has been an original audio production from The Open.